Hello, everybody, and welcome to Brainstorm. Trash your erasers, because we are here to lead you through the storm of art making. This is a podcast hosted by two pencil-wielding goons. Myself, we'll get to that later, and whoever this is. Oh, well, who am I? My name is Carol. I'm a monster enthusiast, a caffeine addict, and I'm your beer-chugging grandpa. That's right, grandpa. I'm like dead ass chugging some beer right now. Like, you think this is, you think I'm acting. No, no, no. This is who I am. This is like our exact routine, which is so funny because I have coffee next to me again. Like, it has not been, it has not changed at all. Not changed. I have a feeling this whole thing would be so much more chaotic if you were drinking um coffee and I were drinking beer. We should switch it up, honestly. Like it would it would change everything. Once we live together cuz I think the beer is the only thing that's stopping me from being completely unhinged. You know, it's just like a nice little damp cloth. It's like, "Oh, yes. Relax." Oh, see, that's what the coffee is doing for you? Oh my god. Yeah, beer just makes me um an animal. Like I just can't censor myself. <laughs> I don't understand how that works the opposite for you, though. Like, I I can't, like, chug a beer and then, like, go to an interview. I'm not proud of it. I just would fuck it up. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) But how many have you gone to drunk on the interviews? (laughs) Surprisingly, none. Um, I have shown up to class drunk or, like, woken up the next day just still drunk, which is not fun. That's really commitment. Yeah, but um, no, yeah, no. I mean, I was just going to say I've been drinking since I was like 12. So there's been a lot of <laughs> time for my body to be like, yeah, we're used to this. We're used to being in this condition. It's probably why you're so cool. Man, I'm <laughs> not cool. I've been, I've been drinking since I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> That's like cool as fuck. No, I mean, Ananya, our friend, she just, like, she did the same thing. Like, I I don't get it. Yeah. That's amazing. I started drinking, like, whiskey when I was 16 or so. I was literally... Jesus Christ. Like, a 45-year-old man who's been divorced twice and is just old and bitter. So I would just... I don't think I knew... <laughs> Sorry. I would, yeah, I would just drink scotch and, like smoke cigars occasionally oh my god i don't think i knew the word vagina when i was 16 (laughs) i like (laughs) i mean i was just in such deep denial when i was 16 (laughs) about like my sexuality and being gay and shit like that that i guess i just assumed this like man persona who had been forsaken by women and i was just like man those those dames (laughs) you can't trust those dames what can i say uh, they're all so confusing. Like, <laughs> I just can't get... It's like they speak a different language. I just I haven't been with a woman for 16 whole years. You were just Clint Eastwood in like a 16-year-old girl's body. <laughs> Holy shit. Exactly. Well, now that we've we've cleared up that I'm Clint Eastwood in a 16-year-old's body, um, yeah. wow, that's going to sound terrible taken out of context. Um, who, who 
are you? I think I am more like a 16-year-old in Clint Eastwood's body. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a comic artist. I'm an illustrator. I'm a bicon, bisexual icon. And I'm your gay gym teacher. Man, I need me one of those, honestly. I think everyone did. Yeah. To, like, put some pep in my step and yell at me from, like, a plastic lawn chair about how my miles just suck. Yeah. <laughs> And just, like, what a generally more positive experience, you know? Like, I would rather be yelled at by a gay gym teacher than a straight gym teacher, for whatever reason. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, to begin with, they're probably hotter to, to start out with, you know? They probably just all around look better <laughs> yeah. and aren't sad. Um, yeah, what makes me your gay gym teacher is that I'm wearing a red hat that says SCAD, the name of my school. I'm wearing a shirt with little weenie dogs on it that are um, arranged in a rainbow. <laughs> and then I'm wearing little teeny tiny micro shorts, little like running shorts that I've like tucked my little weenie dog shirt into. All around cute outfit. But, you know, it may communicate things that I don't necessarily intend. I mean, I'm dressed in basically a grandpa's red tracksuit. Like, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> I love how we are just, like, very different. Like, just complete <laughs> opposites. Like, <laughs> I literally am just, like, a 16-year-old girl. Just like, like, oh my god. Like, excuse me, sir. You are the sir. <laughs> so wow that that's cleared up a lot for me i think that was a weight off my shoulders i i feel like i just learned a lot about myself just now yeah i don't know about you but oh yeah about about each other i mean like here i am like cracking up on coffee you know and just being like oh my god i love starbucks i'm 16 <laughs> <laughs> i'm drinking ipa beer it's very bitter very very bitter god that is every customer i you know dealt with in the service industry just every straight white dude i don't really <laughs> understand ipas no it's just like like the only reason i'm drinking one is because that's what beer we have for like you don't get an ipa an ipa just kind of shows up like in your house or in your hand or at a bar you're just like i really don't want this like it tastes bitter and like garbage but yeah it is alcohol at least if you are gay yeah yeah because i feel like people their default like the reason why they're always just sitting around everywhere is because they go somewhere and their default is an ipa and if you're out of ipa they're just like lost <laughs> Like, they have only had IPA for their whole life. So it's just really bizarre. I mean, I'm talking about straight culture here. So, yeah, like, they, that's just, like, what ha It's, like, if, you, if you're out of IPA, they're just like, well, what do you have? Yeah. Like, it's, like, they're throwing a big fit all of a sudden. And you're just like, well, we have every other kind of beer that's actually good. Right. Um, If you want to try that. <laughs> they're like oh no 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 just give me like a budweiser <laughs> yeah like they're like oh well do you have a core like cores light and i'm like no sir we don't serve like canned water yeah, we don't serve piss water i'm sorry it's actually <laughs> illegal to piss in a can and sell it so we don't we don't do that. maybe <laughs> maybe i am your gay gym teacher <laughs> 
I think we've learned a lot today. Yes. You know, and I think that we can impart even more wisdom to our listeners. I think that's our job. Yeah. I think that's why we're here. Yeah. So now that we've identified where on the Clint Eastwood spectrum we are (laughs) and the 16 year old girl (laughs) spectrum we are. Um, I feel like there's another spectrum we can talk about, right? Which is critique yes. versus criticism. Mm, so, mm. how'd you like that segue? Mm-hmm. That was skillful. <laughs> that was truly, like, I don't know why you're not a talk show host, because that was artful. <laughs> oh, man. It comes from just tutoring, honestly, when people are just, like, off the wall. Oh, yeah. And, like, completely not on topic you just have to find a way to like gently lead their awareness back to like whatever shitty math problem they're working on yes but um that's so true yeah teaching yeah i have experienced that so much in the vein of teaching you know i think a lot of people conflate the two terms right they think that critique is criticism and criticism is critique and they don't know the difference between it can you tell me the difference because i think i'm one of those people that thinks the line is blurry because growing up my dad was always like stop critiquing me sherry (laughs) so yeah could you could you shine a light on that so to me personally in the art world um Mm -hmm. and i guess also in general critique of something is a thoughtful informed commentary on a thing that seeks to improve it somehow whereas a criticism is just like you suck like this beer sucks this this house sucks my (laughs) wife sucks everything fucking sucks like it's just a full-on that was so in character God, my old wife Cheryl, you can't believe how much of a bitch she was. (laughs) Shit like that is a criticism, right? Right. And the way (laughs) the way that it applies to art making is, you know, it's the difference between saying like, well, your work, I think you really need to work on, you know, your hands. Just learn hand anatomy and maybe go a little crazier with hand gestures versus your hands suck or like (laughs) you can't draw hands, you know? So one is informative and objective and actually gets the point of the matter. And the other is just like a blanket statement. It's very negative. It doesn't help anybody. Yeah. So to me, that's the biggest difference between the two. I'd love if someone, when they were like insulting my drawing ability, if they just told me like my own personal hands, like my physical hands that I use to make that art suck. (laughs) Like if they're like trying to tear me down about my art, like your hands suck. Um, <laughs> get better hands get new hands get good eyes your art sucks <laughs> fucking get good <laughs> but yeah no I think that that is good and thoughtful and that's kind of like where my head was with it I'm just like is critique better than criticism because I was raised without distinction honestly I think a lot of um I think it's like a the more the like the older I've gotten, the more I've realized it's kind of like a a white people thing to like <laughs> have such a sensitivity to critique and criticism. And I mean, I think Donald Trump is a good example. I think every white person I've ever lived with is a good example where it's like 
very scary to come to the table with either one critique or criticism probably critique because that's like the more positive one but you know a lot of people are just kind of like set in their ways and don't necessarily want to improve which is like their problem you know yeah so um i think a lot of people are sensitive though and don't exactly know how to take critique so how would you recommend people think about it and frame it and handle it i mean i think that you kind of have to i mean talking about it from an art perspective right you yeah have to separate yourself from your work and realize that an attack or critique or criticism of your work is not a critique or criticism of you as a person but i think with art it's really really hard to separate that because art is such a such an intimate sort of profession yeah that a lot of our identity tends to be tied up in art and how we're able to manifest that into the world so you know having somebody like pouring your heart and soul into a painting and then having someone be like well i really don't like that painting because xyz and da 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 like it's hard to not take that personally yeah so and it's not only with art, right? It's with kind of anything. It could be something as simple as your roommate saying like, hey, maybe, you know, don't leave these dishes in the sink or maybe you can improve in XYZ way. Like, I think you have to be in a mental space where you feel solid enough in yourself that you can accept that you're not always right. Yes. And accept that like you make mistakes and realize that if you make mistakes or if you're not right all the time, it's not that you're a lesser person and it's not that your identity is being damaged. It's just feedback. Yeah. So I think people with not a whole lot of, I guess you could say ego strength or like strength in oneself, like AKA little dick energy, like (laughs) they can't handle critique. Yeah. Donald Trump is the poster child of little dick energy. Like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, wow lde all the way baby like damn yeah yes 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 but uh yeah so i think it's a matter of kind of having enough confidence in yourself and building yourself up and having like a sense of self-stability that enables you to take critique and take criticism and like not really care yeah and i think also understand that whoever is presenting the criticism is like not trying to hurt you yeah Like, they do have your best interest in mind. And, you know, it's even helpful for me sitting here to, like, hear that and recognize that. Because they really are trying to improve you. And some people take that as a sweet thing and some people don't. You know, but I think that I personally adore the gray area in life. But I also just adore it in the sense of, like, not always having to be right and i think with cancel culture and other things like this this culture has shifted into an area where that's not the case and i think that that is operating out of a level of scarcity of being like nope there's only room for you to be right and only right there's no room for you to learn or grow like you were either born a racist nazi or not you can either like (laughs) you know like there is no there seems to be no room for like a redemption arc yeah and if there is it's a very small fraction of people that 
quote unquote forgive those who do wrong and like even if it's an art if you are you know if you maybe as an artist trace or copy something that has always been the like cancel culture equivalent in the art community and like if you end up stop doing like doing that or if you you know end up improving it's definitely a necessary educational step not to trace but like to copy so um i think in general placing less of a practice of rejection on people like just having rejection as less of a commonplace that that would be something positive because i think hopefully as people our intention is to like always be learning and growing Yeah. I mean, and I think it's something that has followed us all throughout, at least in like the US and stuff, but followed us all throughout childhood to adulthood. It's almost like Scantron culture of like, there's a right answer. There's a wrong answer. Either you get an A or an F or you pass or you fail. Like life seems to just be put into these binaries and exploration is not encouraged and failure is not encouraged because when you fail then suddenly you're locked out of all of these opportunities and there's insane amounts of pressure put on kids to like not fail yeah that's something that doesn't go away once you graduate school like after over a decade of schooling like that's going to be ingrained kind of in your psyche and carry over to your art making as well and it's not only school, I mean, we, we did talk about this in another episode about like perfectionism and kind of where that can come from. And, you know, it could be your schooling, it could be your parents, it could be a trusted, any form of trusted authority member. Maybe it was your coach, maybe it was just a team that you were in. But either way, like these sources of pressure to not fail come from a wide variety of sources. And you kind of have to just cast a net and see what you drag in when you reflect on it and realize that most of the time these that sphere of failure did not originate from you it originated from somebody else somebody else's neurosis or somebody else's like fucked up system is what put it into your head it's not a natural state of being right i think the natural state of being is being willing to fail and not I I don't know about like even necessarily enjoying failure per se, but just like failing and then getting back up again and not really dwelling on it and learning from it. Yeah. Seeing failure as a learning experience rather than like a source of shame or a source of like a source of something that makes you question your identity. Totally. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times ego comes into play with what people choose to critique people on especially you know in art as well if there's something that someone else is trying to change or remove about their own artwork normally that'll be the first thing they say about something else they'll be like if they're trying to take tangents out of their work for example they'll look at your work and the first thing they'll say is like that's a tangent or if they are trying to you know so many people growing up had this you know thing that i am doing now where they're like I'm like moving away from anime. I don't draw anime. I'm not an anime artist. So first thing they say when they look at mine, like my work while I was still doing it, is like, that's, oh my God, that's so anime. That's so like Desu. That's, you know, and. Oh God. And it was because they were trying to move away from that at that point. Yeah. So I think, you know, people project when they critique 
And sometimes you have to, I, I just think it's, it's a good thing to remember. And there are some things to take personally, and there are some things not to, but in no way I think should you take any critique personally, because it's, first of all, sometimes it is criticism. And sometimes it is meant to be a personal attack. And at that point, of course, you need to separate that from yourself and just take that with a grain of salt and just be like, this person doesn't seem to like what they're seeing. Sometimes it's just a critique. Like sometimes they are genuinely trying to help you. Sometimes it's from a good place. Them being like, oh, I just learned this about my artwork and I thought I could share this with you to help you like learn and grow, you know? So, but in either case, you as a stable conscious person should not let either of those tear you down or wreck you. I think you should take them with the same kind of gravity. I don't know because even if it is coming from a good place, in the end, it's your decision about whether you decide to take what they say into account. It's going through a filtration system that is you. Yeah, like, it's so important to kind of check your source. And mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna butcher this, but I remember hearing once, never take advice from somebody you don't want to become. <laughs> You know, like, yes. don't take advice from people that you look at and you're just like, ooh, like, uh, uh-uh. That's so good. Or I guess the positive framing of that would be take advice from a person you want to become. So if you see a successful artist, you know, and they're a really positive, cheery person and they're productive in their artwork and they're where they want to be, I think it would be better to take advice from them versus someone who's very bitter and, you know, hasn't necessarily made it and yes. is just angry, you know? So check your source and also yeah. be discerning, right? Don't don't ignore your gut feelings because sometimes well-meaning people can say shit that is just wrong or, you know, they're in a completely different, they might be in a completely different place mentally than you are. So, for example, like if you are feeling more depressed and, you know, one of your favorite artists is like, well, you have to be productive 24-7. If not, you're not taking art seriously. Like, no, don't internalize that because that'll just make shit worse. Like, you know what I mean? So you have to be discerning as well. Not every critique is good critique and not every criticism is necessarily bad criticism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just the most important thing in this process is honesty mm -hmm. and a willingness to look at yourself like really hard like really look at yourself like kind of act as you know be receptive to everything and then kind of sort it out so like imagine like you're going trick-or-treating right like you're getting advice from all these different people you're getting candy from all these different doors just you don't discriminate, you put it all in the bucket. And then it's only after you go home and that you dump all your candy on the floor and you sort it out and you're like, wow, this shit is really good and that shit sucks. Like, yeah. kind of treat critique and criticism the same way. Like you don't have to take everything to heart. Like pick and choose what is advantageous to you, but also truthful. Yeah. You know, like if you need to work on hands, like if your hands are a weak part of your drawing, don't just scoff at a person who says, hey, maybe you should work on your hands because you don't want to. Like, take that into account. Hell yeah. So it's a mix of being honest with yourself and also looking honestly at the people giving you this feedback. Yeah, like, is it your parents who don't know anything about your profession, you know? <laughs> or is it, like, is it um, your friend who 
also wants to be exactly what you do and like has your best interest in mind, you know? So yeah, check, I think checking your sources is, is a great point. And how would you say that, you know, because you talked about there being like bad critique and good criticism, how do you think we can, as art seers, art lookers, <laughs> critique more positively and like what would you say are some examples of good good criticism and bad critique so a bad critique is something that's really vague right yeah so to me a bad critique is like you put something up and someone's just like well i really don't like it and you're like yeah but but why (laughs) but But why though? And they're just like, nah, I just don't like it. Like, that's really shitty critique. (laughs) Like, the worst thing you can do in a critique is be really, really vague and really, really subjective. Because, you know, like just saying, oh, I don't like this thing. Like, well, what is that person supposed to do? Like, maybe it's just their style. Maybe it's the content of what they do. Like, that's just what they do. Like, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant whether you like it or don't like it. That's not helping them improve from a visual standpoint. So when you don't have anything specific to say, it's not a critique at that point. It's just a blanket statement of like whatever you're feeling at the time. Another thing that makes critique shitty is when you make it personal. When you make it a personal attack or like you said previously, like a personal projection. Yeah. So like, let's say you put up a piece and this person is like, well, I don't like anime and I stopped doing anime and blah, blah, blah. And this, this, and this, like, that's not a critique. That's just you being really weird. (laughs) Yeah. Don't say that shit. Yeah. And I guess when I say good criticism to me, Criticism, like, probably just overall isn't great because, again, it's not necessarily constructive. It's just, like... But to me, a criticism, like, your hands suck is more helpful than a critique that just says, I like it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true because I like it is a shit critique. I like it is the worst. Or... The worst. Honestly, (laughs) one that is a pet peeve to me, which is, like, very lucky to have this pet peeve, when I I was like uploading work to DeviantArt when I was like a kid, I would always get this like, oh, amazing yet again. Like, as always, you did great. Great as always. That's what it was. Mm. That always like pissed me off so much because I was like, I can't sh- surprise these people. I can't shock these people. I can't I can't top myself. I they they're not impressed with this particular new thing that I did. So <laughs> I never liked that like great as always. I'm just like, okay, you can say that about like maybe you got your like fifth can of Arizona tea and <laughs> you're just like great as always. Like it means nothing to me. Like it's just like that your your can of Coke tastes like Coke. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just that and that's what I mean about the vagueness, right? If they had said something like, Wow, I really love the colors in this one, or I really love the composition, or if they were more specific about what they liked, that is much more helpful than just being like great (laughs) right because you can have because you can have positive or negative critique which in the end can still be a good critique or you the value of your critique can either be good or bad you can have like a shit critique even if you say i like it 
you know? Yeah. So also in my experience, a bad critique, something that was just a time waster and that they taught me in my first year of art school. It was so funny because I had the best pair of like core teachers in my first year of college. And we both went to different places for our first year, but I went to a different art school. And at that art school, there was something called core. And it's like, I think it was no lie, like a fucking five hour class. Like I don't, I'm not even kidding. And in that class, that was your space to create weird shit, explore different shit, like move through all different forms of art. Uh, so I think I did like a 3D project in that class. That was a class I made that like shitty like cup thing. <laughs> yeah, the Kool-Aid sculpture. So, but in the, my teachers in that class were, one was like a sculptor who was just total right brain and total like, yeah, but what's like the concept of this? And like the other one was just an illustrator who just liked drawing zombies and like subjective, like, work of living people and like living things and you know someone who drew figurative work and they were extremely different like could not be more opposite to a point where just like their shit was just not cohesive in that class (laughs) um but it was like um but one thing that they agreed on was how during critique people would like throw in their little two cents about something like when they looked at something just be like that looks like something i saw from doctor who and like everyone would just be like okay that doesn't contribute anything you know and to which the artist would usually just be like okay i've never seen that yeah or someone else would just be like oh yeah man i know what you're talking about that's cool like yeah and it just derails yeah 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 and it's not helpful a lot of the time. Like sometimes the artist has seen what you're talking about. Most times they haven't. Sometimes it's a good time to introduce them to something new. But most of the time it's like not the time. You got a whole crowd of people who are all trying to give their feedback and get through the whole class. And you, y'all you are just reminiscing about yeah. Doctor Who. It's like not productive. Yeah, it's shitty. And it's different if you're saying it because you want them to be inspired, right? It's different if you like exactly. tack on at the very and like wow I really like your sci-fi stuff maybe you would really like this show like maybe that would inspire you that is relevant yeah but this looks like this period is never very helpful yeah like oh that looks like my cousin yeah and most times like an artist doesn't want to hear that right they don't want to hear that something looks derivative or yeah you know (laughs) it's just insulting and a time waster and really annoying thank you for bringing that up because that was one of the biggest pet peeves i had in like when i would go through critique in classes and like expect feedback from people and then it would just devolve into a conversation it's like well this isn't helping me become a better artist this is just chit chat yeah exactly especially because in art school like critiques are timed yeah and you're not paying fifty thousand bucks a year to have someone be like this looks like an episode of this that i watched with my thumb up my butt yesterday yeah like, <laughs> it's like shut up timmy yeah <laughs> but yeah so that can be really really frustrating yes do you have any other like critique pet peeves that let's just let's just air it all out let's just Let's make this into a salt episode. Yeah, let's just fucking... (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, yeah, I'm down. Critique pet peeves. Honestly, that was like a big one, especially because for the most part, wasn't ever helpful. And it didn't like lead anywhere. It was just kind of like, that looks like this. And you're like, okay. <laughs> but um, the, huh, like I'm trying to think of more, I guess. Yeah, I guess also when people just like they give you maybe it's like about a concept of something that you have created and they'll just give you feedback that's like oh that's cool but what if you did this and it's like completely a different idea right they're just like because I was doing I was creating this comic about a house or an apartment that changes around a couple who like depending on when their emotions change and this girl had a had a founded sort of critique where she was just like, oh, I think that you need some kind of climax or it needs to be more exciting. And it's like she she didn't really see the crescendo of like a emotionally told story. Like she didn't see she was seemed to be more of like in action, sci-fi, suspense. Like she was only used to watching or consuming one type of story. So a different type of climax that was like someone's fucking psychological meltdown didn't really resonate with her. So she was like, what if the house started attacking them? Uh. And like, what if, like, what if it the house just became a monster? Like, what if the <laughs> monster that's in the house started attacking them? And like, everything just became like, what if they started a battle? Oh, God. And I was just like, that's not what the story is like i know you want it to be this thing but like it's not you know like instead why can't you help me tell the story that i'm trying to tell like in contrast you when i came to the story with you you were just like what is the story that you're trying what what are you trying to say and honestly cut out any of the irrelevant shit that's not what you're trying to say and that was awesome oh i'm but yeah, that's so frustrating when people just, that's another thing is like when people are inconsiderate and just sh kind of shoehorn their own ideas or their own opinions into something instead of trying to improve what's already there. Yeah. Which I think is another thing, like you're not creating a new piece. You're looking at what already exists and trying to improve it. Right. Maybe the most you can do is like suggest kind of a different composition maybe a different cropping format or something maybe a different color but for the most part i think critique should focus on what's already there instead of creating something completely new and from scratch because if if somebody wanted <laughs> input on something completely new and from scratch they would have asked that yeah but they're asking you to critique what's in front of you right now and sometimes i mean you could get a really great idea and the artist could be like i never thought of that before like mind blown yeah but for the most part they'll tell you that within the first couple minutes of the new idea you're proposing and if they're not doing that then like back off you know like yeah save that idea for yourself like make something else that you that may hope like good cool that inspired you you know yeah another thing that bothers me a lot in critique isn't necessarily when i'm the recipient but when i'm giving critique and people are just not accepting of it in the sense of they don't want to fucking hear it or they fight me yeah but what i'm trying to say don't 
do that shit. <laughs> just don't. Yeah, where they're it's like a it's like a battle of them wanting to be justified. They're just like, well, this is why I did that, and like, oh, but this is my style. Like, yeah, uh, the this is my style is the biggest eye roll. <laughs> To me, that's just the laziest cop out. Is just like, well, I just draw hands that way, or I don't know. I just that's just how I draw people. And the thing is, there's a difference between intentional morphing of reality and unintentional morphing of reality, right? So one is like, yes, you know anatomy inside. Of, like I'm talking about like illustration, but for example, in one case, you know anatomy inside and out. You've studied the human body, so you can shrink and deform the proportions so that they look different but they're still internally consistent and you can tell that it's a stylistic choice right but when you don't have a full command of the human body and you're just using all these shortcuts or you're not studying stuff from life and then you try to claim oh it's just my style like no it isn't you're just lazy you don't just draw one fully formed arm and then draw the other arm only 10 inches long and say like that's just my style. Like, <laughs> if something is just not correct or doesn't look purposeful, it's because it doesn't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not It's not because you are unique, you know? <laughs> like, that's, I don't know, you wanting, I don't know. It's like, it's not part of your style. You're not unique for fucking something up, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. like, if you messed up, you messed up and you can be like okay got it thank you you know that's such so much more of a pleasant thing to hear in response to someone who is trying to help you than oh i didn't want this critique in the first place like bitch that's what you're paying money for yeah exactly Like, you're paying money to hear this. That's what gets me. It's like, it's one thing if you get unsolicited critique, like if you just post art and don't ask for it and somebody just comes and like, like that's weird. But if you're asking for critique or if you're in art school and critique is just part of the curriculum and you're resisting it, why are you here? Like, <laughs> Yeah. And another thing is like, when you go on into the professional world, you're going to get feedback from your art director or your clients or whatever and if you don't know how to handle critique and you don't know how to change things when they request it like I don't know if you're gonna have a job for much longer no like sis it's not a fun time when you go to your art director and they're they say redo it and if you in response say well that's just my style (laughs) then you're fired you're fucking fired like (laughs) there is no (laughs) there is no coming back from that like as you know put yourself in that position like that's not they're probably telling you that because they have someone above them that is looking to them for the art you know what i mean yeah or the talent and like that person is then put in this really awkward position and they don't want to have to deal with you. Yeah. Be a good sport. And I think that's such a good thing to tell yourself. It's like, would I say this shit to an art director? Yes. Like in defense of yourself. And if the answer is no, then don't fucking say it. That's so true. God, that's such good advice. If I were like on the stand presenting my artwork in college, if someone had told me to respond to people as if they were your art director, like the amount of power I would have in that position, like 
it might make you feel powerless because like to some extent you like your art director is quote unquote more powerful than you but it would make you seem so dignified and you would look like such a cool dude <laughs> yeah if you intend to pursue a career in the arts obviously if you're just a hobbyist like it's different whatever but if you intend to pursue a career in the arts then you should start treating critique and treating feedback as if it's practice for your eventual job god that's so smart <laughs> yeah just look at the experience as job experience and something to learn from because the reality is sometimes you're gonna have shitty art directors sometimes you're gonna have bosses that don't have a degree in the arts themselves and don't understand how things work sometimes you're gonna have difficult clients if you can't accept good critique then how on earth are you gonna know how to deal with bad critique and like vague terrible feedback you know from bosses or clients that maybe aren't so clear on what they want clients that too because i think it's a more powerful position to think of people in the audience or the peanut gallery as the client because sometimes people do say like dumb as fuck shit <laughs> like we just explained and like in that position so many clients say dumb as fuck shit and they're just like oh well i know i said last time like powder blue but i think pink this time would really be great and to that whether i'm talking to a client or someone in like critiquing me in a class i would just be like well last week barbara you said you wanted light blue like <laughs> what's the deal you know what i mean like and regardless of who you're talking to that response would fit you know because they're paying you maybe don't say that to a boss though you know so find some middle ground between like responding to people like a client or an art director and if it helps you in your job too like sometimes it's just how people communicate sometimes you are in the position of power being someone who is hired on maybe they're desperate for art you know so like in that case sometimes you do have some volition to be able to be like that's not what you asked for last week you know and give a little bit of tood <laughs> if it's like necessary if they're being unreasonable if they've asked you to change something six times and you're just like this seems like a subjective thing that you need to like work out with yourself before you come to me that's when you ask for more money that's true that's why you include in your contract <laughs> yeah upon the sixth change you will pay me another like 50 percent of our agreement like jesus exactly exactly like cover your ass um cover your ass for like inevitability that you're gonna get someone difficult yes that is true yeah and like just have the ability to defend yourself in person and on paper and it's an art right to be able to defend yourself and stick up for yourself while still being polite and professional yes which is another thing in critique that always bothered me when people weren't professional about it like either receiving or giving feedback you know kind of like you said like when people would get off topic and say dumb shit or attack people you know just put zero effort into their critique that was always extremely annoying yes especially when on the giving end like you are professional and you do give thoughtful critique and not receiving that in return just feels like Ugh, you know so 
Yes. Definitely be professional, both in giving critique and accepting critique. So when you're up there being critiqued, if I say critique one more time, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to this, just kind of nod and smile. Smile and nod, boys. And just be like, thank you, or okay. If you can't say thank you, just be like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> And then again, going back to the Halloween candy metaphor, like sort it out later. But while you're up there in this very limited time frame, why wouldn't you want to absorb as many opinions as possible? You know, it's a very... Yeah, you don't always have access to that. Yeah, it's a very rare privilege to be able to be in that position where you get, you know, feedback from your, not only your professors, but also your peers. It's valuable. It's just silly and it's a squandered opportunity to not take it seriously yeah people pay a lot of money to get whatever feedback you're being exposed to and like take advantage of that you know don't like be like oh like i didn't do it uh this week because i just wasn't feeling it you know like that was always fun yeah i mean it's like seize the day it's so mortifying i to be paying so much money and not try to take advantage of it at every turn but you know also experience life be healthy do all the things that make you a functioning person even if you're in school paying a lot of money to be there like you don't fully realize that at the time and you don't always realize what you have or what's going on um and that's fine you know we're all kind of on different journeys at our different times and realize things at different places i know i realized a lot being out of school of what i could have done while i was in school but no regrets (laughs) yeah exactly You know, all this being said, don't sacrifice your own health, physical or mental in this process. We've we've kind of lingered a lot on what bad critique is, but yeah. Do you have any advice for uh, what a good critique is? Or have you had experiences where like you've gotten like an awesome critique? Yeah, well, the example about uh, you was, I think, the best critique I have ever gotten, to be honest. Um, because I was in France with you, like we had studied abroad in Lacoste, France, which like, I don't even think we've touched on since this fucking podcast, which is a whole last thing. Um, and I'm sure you guys are going to hear in bits and pieces, some of our experiences there, but I took it as this time, like because it was before my senior project. And a lot of people do the study abroad thing when they're like younger in their year and they're just like, I think I'm like just gonna go. Like, I'm just gonna go someplace. And like, (laughs) it's not that meaningful to them in terms of their practice. So I definitely took that into account. I was just like, what can I gain from being in Lacoste, France? Because like the other option for me as a comic artist was Hong Kong. And to me as a comic artist, that sounded way fucking cooler. <laughs> and I was just like, Hong Kong, holy shit. Like, you know, so many buildings in a city that's really lively. And like, so I was kind of like, well, what can I gain from being in a village for like three whole months how how can I use this to my advantage like obviously the place that we were in was curated to our major so it actually was a great place to be for a comic artist because I came to learn a lot about um, European comics and their practice there which actually I 
I was thinking about before when we were talking about learning to separate yourself from your art, because we saw a talk when we were um, in France at Angoulême, we went to this like comic festival and we just like toured the whole city during the comic festival and had these like impromptu like meetings and hangouts with working artists who had like really cool opportunities. And like one of them said something that struck me and he was like he was very successful at this point had like his third comic or something like that out that was like being well received and was like one of the featured or award-winning comics from the like Angoulême World Festival and something that he said he was like referencing a time when he was younger and he was like that was at the time when I still was like separating myself from my art and I thought that it was like something different from me and he said that now he sees that his art is him you know Mm. so obviously they're separating yourself from your art in terms of not taking things personally but then I also think there is So it's something that helped me while I was there because like I realized that my art was an expression of me. You know, I didn't like, I stopped being like, oh, my art is something that I do. My art is something that I, that is like recreational or it's just where I put my funny little ideas. Like, no, like once I understood my art is me, it made me question things a lot more and be like, well, why am I drawing in this style that didn't come from me? Why am I illustrating ideas that I don't necessarily stand behind? Like why stuff like that. So that helped. But then also being there, using it as a time to think about it intentionally, because my senior project was coming up the quarter after. So I was like, I need to like, I wanted to have this idea ironed out. So I would just have senior project to like arrive there with my idea and just do it so when I was talking to Kato about one of my ideas I it was like this relationship and then they were like both babysitting this like weird kid who had like powers and stuff and he was like psychically fucking fucked up and he was kind of the crux of the story and then Kato was like well why is he there like why don't you just make it about this couple because that seems to be what you are navigating or like trying to figure out here so yeah I think getting critique where you or giving critique where you are truly trying to like polish the someone else's turd (laughs) that's the best thing you can do is just like if you don't get something just at the end of the day just be like what the hell are you trying to say here like i'm confused you know and that helps to bring clarity to the artist and bring clarity to what they're creating for sure that's why being specific is so important and i think that is the cornerstone of every good critique is being very specific, being objective. So for example, if somebody is struggling with drawing hands, don't be like, well, your hands suck. Or like, I don't like your hands. Be like, well, you know, I think your hands can use some improvement because the thumbs are in the wrong place. And you can look at da-da-da book or so-and-so's tutorials to get a better grasp on hands. That's a good critique. Right. A shitty critique is like, well, I don't I don't know. The hands look weird. And just leaving it at that. And you're just like so put off. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, what does that mean? Like, how do they look weird? Like, what is... What? Yeah. And that ties into being objective, right? So it's objective to say, 
your hands are not anatomically correct versus your hands look weird. <laughs> like one is a reality, especially if you're trying to draw more realistically, whereas the other is a judgment. Yeah, that's very true. And using I statements as well is really important to, I think it kind of softens the blow a little bit, especially if you're giving like a quote unquote harsher critique or you have more to critique. If you're more like, well, I feel like your hands need some work. Instead of just being like, your hands need work. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh. Like, just like, boom, just like a sucker punch to the face. It's just like disarming. Like, if, you, if you're if you more like, well, I think, or I feel, or I think, or I feel. Like, that is more accurate because it is something you're feeling or you're thinking. Yes, that's very true. And that's something to even take into account personally with people. They always say if you are, like, trying to talk or negotiate with people to use a lot of I statements because people can do whatever they want about the way that they're making you feel, you know? So that puts the power in their hands, but it also like opens their ears to be like, oh, how is this person feeling? How am I affecting them? How are they responding to my art, you know? Yeah, it's much easier to put yourself in someone else's shoes when they're literally fucking telling you. what they're feeling and exactly what they're thinking exactly yeah yeah and it definitely disarms the situation and it makes it less volatile and i think it's especially important once you're starting a critique like for example i would use this technique with freshmen the most probably because they're probably going to be the most sensitive to critique it's probably the first time that they've been critiqued it's probably really scary for them whereas by your senior year you're just like hurt me i feel nothing (laughs) you don't give a shit yeah yeah you're just like blow into me just like punch me bitch (laughs) just plow me clint eastwood i don't care i don't care i don't give a shit but No, that's very relevant. Like when I was insane, watched a lot of videos from an FBI hostage negotiator. Jesus Christ. Should I say the head FBI hostage negotiator who has been doing it for like 30 years or so. But his name is Chris Voss and he is just like a really cool dude. And he, his goal is kind of like, For you to get what you want out of current situations. Um, So you can understand why I was listening to that in a house with ruled by two 50 year old parents. (laughs) Um, But there are multiple things that he has said that has helped me with any of my with any like with just how I talk to people in daily life, like how I bargain with people, you know, and it's not always this whole shady like I want to get what I want. But like, sometimes it's just a really effective way for you to be heard. I think that we're all just fighting to be heard. And a way that you can definitely yeah, in a way that you can be taken seriously when you are giving critique is by doing it in a way that is most well received. So his whole thing, this is I also use this to get out of a ticket for drinking on the beach in Savannah, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I literally got a text from you that was just like, paid it. Like I paid it and I was just like, I am talking to the fucking like officer that gave us the ticket and I'm emailing with him and he just said that I don't have to pay it. So like, oh my God. it did get me out of it. Um, So his, his whole shtick or some of his pieces of advice were to start with the negative and in critique, this is a little bit different. 
But if you go into something just like, I think this is a little off, um, but here's how you can improve. Yes. What a great sentence. You've left them with something to help them. It started rocky. Maybe their heart beat a little faster when you started your sentence. But in the end, you reassured them that everything was going to be okay. So that is very helpful. One way that you can start with the negative is also in a way that acknowledges where they're at or what they're feeling. So a phrase like, "It sound, I know it sounds crazy. Or like, I know it sounds like, <laughs> I know I might sound really weird saying this, you know, like, but it makes you look more self-aware. And when you, for instance, when you're critiquing something like, I know this sounds harsh, but like, I think that hand could be improved. Yeah. Like that's one way that you can start with the negative and then, you know, also... But that kind of leads me to like a critique sandwich. So if you are starting with a negative and then you reiterate with a negative, we're like, I know it sounds harsh, but that hand looks bad. You want to, again, end on a positive. So like, but here's what I think you could do to improve it. Or, but I also think that your skills in drawing the face look amazing. Like you really understand the proportions of the face, you know, whether or not you give them the tools to improve your hand, like that's not always your job. Sometimes you're just bringing it to their intention, but a critique sandwich, you know, it's also starting out with something good and then something not so good. And then, you know, ending it on something good too. So there are lots of different ways that you can like play with your linguistics around things to make you a little bit more well-received. What would you, like, how do you use this kind of tactic? So I usually use the sandwich version. So uh, like when I'm teaching my student, I'll go in with something really positive. I'll be like, wow, like I really love your use of color or I see you've really improved on da da da. But I noticed that this, this, and this can maybe be improved but I think you're doing a great job like teaching yourself. So like for an example, um, I'll also do the thing where I ask them, I'm constantly checking up on them. Yes. And asking them, does this make sense? And I usually start with something that they know to kind of build up their confidence and then seg into, well, do you, you know, like, what is something confusing about this? I try to shy away from saying, do you not understand this? Because that sounds very accusatory and, like, demeaning. Are you stupid? <laughs> so I always try to be like, does this make sense? Or, like, I know this can be a little complicated. Like, do you need me to go over it again? Like, I never, ever, ever make it about them. Yes. And their faculty. I always make it about, I try to make it objective or about my ability as an instructor, not about them. Are you fucking sorry? <laughs> Are you <laughs> fucking sorry? Um, which I think is really important because something I was taught when I went to like a teaching seminar, because I was originally going to train to be like a college level tutor and then kind of ran out of gas on that one. But you know, something that they told us that was really important is always start with something that they know. Mm -hmm. And then ask them to tell you where they're at. Just be like, where are you at? Like, what's going on? Like, what's confusing? Mm -hmm. Instead of just like, never assume that they know something 
always check in, always, and do it in a way that, again, doesn't make them feel bad. And it's really, really important to establish trust mm. and, like, non-judgment because the, the thing you don't want is for your student to be afraid to come to you for advice yeah, or yikes. afraid to come to you for, like, instruction or feel like they have to be perfect around you. Like, that is just the antithesis of teaching. Like, why are you even teaching? Terrifying. Yeah. So... That's always that's always my method when I when I go into critique and when I go into teach. Yes. Is I like I like the sandwich. I think the sandwich is yummy. <laughs> I think it's delicious. I think it's a tasty little snack. Yeah. So I think that that kind of um, wraps things up. But do you have anything to add to our critique discussion? So I think. And we've touched on this briefly in previous episodes, but just kind of the idea that an idea is just an idea, right? There are so many different iterations. There are so many different pieces you can make and so many different ways that pieces could have gone that, you know, you kind of have to be willing in a way to feel like a non-attachment to what you create. Yes. And what I mean by that is you can adore what you create. You can absolutely like enjoy what you make, but just also realize like, yeah, there's a possibility that maybe I could improve it or maybe another way would have been awesome. Or don't just get attached to a single outcome, which I think helps with critique as well because it's just like, well, they're just critiquing one out of infinite possibilities that could have been done. That's so true. But that's just, you know, kind of the willingness to kill your darlings, I guess, as it is. Yes. Which is something we'll probably go into in another episode. But just a little tidbit to chew on as we leave you guys. Yes. Well, we'll catch you guys next time. And please always remember. Dun, 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 dun. Break the wow, that was so off key. I kind of like it that way, though. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. We might have to use that. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a great one. See you next time. Bye.